Joining us right now is the one and only Andrew Dolich. Andrew, how are you? I'm great, Stan. I was listening to your conversation, as I always am, uh, early on Saturday morning here in the beautiful Bay Area. A few thoughts before we get into the A's. Do we have time? Go ahead, sure. Of course we got time. Okay, so the Yom Kippur curse on Wednesday. Yes. Right? I mean, everybody, Clayton Kershaw's terrific, but my favorite player of all the teams that I've worked for, the great Sandy Koufax, who when the high holidays came, Sandy being an observant, left-handed, brilliant Jew, said, sorry, Walter, not pitching. Right, right, right. And, uh, that uh, there's a long level of complexity to get to Clayton Kershaw, but I was thinking when that happened, hmm, maybe uh, they shouldn't have put Clayton into the game. I, I, you know, uh, listen, you are, I think he's yeah. I think he's a brilliant pitcher. He has been a brilliant pitcher to me. He's the number three starter on that team behind Bueller and Rayu. I would have started Rayu in Game Two in that series, and I would have I would have put Rayu into Game Five before Clayton Kershaw. That's just the and way that's I feel. Yeah, why you are Stan the fan? Yes, I um, am, and and why people love sports because they never make an incorrect decision right, exactly. after the manager has to make a decision. Well, I will tell you, I, I will tell you the most interesting thing in that game uh, beyond the Kershaw decision. Was was how apparent it it became that Dave Roberts had lost all faith in uh, Kenley Jansen uh, right. through the course of this season, and it's been compared to the Buck Showalter decision not to use Zach Britton in the one game wild card in Toronto when the game was tied, uh, but the difference was Buck Showalter had total faith in Zach Britton. What he ceased to have faith in was his offense, which had been absolutely horrible for the previous six weeks. So to him, it was, well, if I use Britain for one inning and we don't have the lead because we're batting the top of the inning, uh, I'm going to burn him, and then I won't have anybody to close the game out. So he went with a starter who had been pitching very good baseball. Which is a perfect segue to the other conversation that you were having about electronic umpire. Yeah. Um, I'm looking into the future, so when are we going to have gigantic computerized managers? Uh, the, the analytics and metrics are perfect. I was always waiting for somebody to, you know, managers, managers not to um, sort of be in uh, their uniforms, but to be in suits like the great Connie Mack. And... Um, Electronic managers. And then think about this. If I'm not a big believer in electronic umpires, because I love the fallibility right. of and players, so much umpires, of, yeah. and everybody else making mistakes. Okay. In, from owners down to clubhouse guys. Right. So a few years from now, when a pitcher, you know, we have Tommy John surgery, right? Which mm-hmm. is advanced to an incredible level. Right. What about REDs? What are we going to do when REDs become part of sports? Wait a minute. Tell me what REDs are. Robotic enhanced devices. Okay. I got you. Okay. Okay. So I have my elbow is blown out Mm -hmm. as a pitcher. I get a new electric, I get a new robotic elbow, which gives me the ability to throw 
between 150 and 175 miles an hour. Um, am I going to be able to play? That's going to be a debate. I don't know how many years from now, but it's going to happen. You can only throw so fast. You can only swing a bat so fast. But when this starts happening, I have new risks. Rem- I can now swing 200 miles an hour and hit the ball 700 feet. Remember remember the movie It Happens Every Spring with Ray Moland? I absolutely do. And I also remember uh, the Twilight Zone uh, that did uh, a... Casey. A, Casey, the right, robot. Yep. Right. Yep. And what was he? He, he was, was a, a robot. He was a robot. Yep. Yep. And he pitched... Remember, then they disappear, and at the end, it's and Jack Warden played the manager. And the end is Rod Serling says, nobody knows whatever happened to them, but a couple years later, there were a couple pitchers on the Dodger, or there was a pitcher on the Dodgers who pitched like nothing human. I apologize for the listeners who are going, what are these guys talking about? Two old Jews, but, that's right. <laughs> but, but when you think about all the advancements in sports just over the last decade and how player performance has improved, you know, we're going to have this debate sometime in the future. Question, the, uh, you, you mentioned the uh, curse of Yom Kippur. Did the Philadelphia Phillies intentionally let Gabe Kapler sort of dangle uh, out of respect for the Jewish holidays, actually, that they didn't want to fire him during the Jewish Well, I holidays. haven't talked to any baseball rabbis lately, so I don't know the answer to that question. All right. Uh, Mark Kotze, would he make a good manager for the Giants? I think so. Uh, you know, Farhan Zaidi is, is going to make that decision, so you have to look back in all the relationships that Farhan has had with the A's, Um, and the Dodgers. Um, The Giants need uh, more youth in Mm -hmm. their lineup. Um, You know, we talk about great pitchers. Madison Bumgarner is a big question mark for them. Buster Posey had a down year. Crawford didn't play up to his all-star skills. Uh, But they still have a pretty decent core. Um, And when you have such a legendary manager like Bruce Bochy, uh, completely unique John Wayne style. We'll see which way they go. Um, and I'm interested to see, you know, Bochy said, I'm not, I'm not managing again with all of these openings. I would expect he's the kind of person after a year or so that he'll be back with the team in one form or another. Yeah, I would agree with you. Now, Gabe Kapler also has a relationship with Farhan Zaidi. They both worked with the Dodgers for two or three years together. So I think- yeah, uh, we'll see here. I mean, the media has a whole bunch of candidates, um, and as you wait for postseason play to roll itself out, uh, everybody to give the thoughts of who's absolutely the best. And for the Giants, this is a big one because Boach has been there for such a long time and has such a significant imprint on the team and, more specifically, the fan base, which was down a bit this year. I heard I heard some uh, some tales out of school that Bochi. Well, I, I don't think he hates Farhan Zaidi or anything, but he hates the way the game is being taken from the manager. He just he, he's disgusted with uh, the manager's real role today. I think it's a larger debate, not just between Bruce Bochi and I have no insider knowledge between Bruce Bochi and Farhan Zaidi, but it's the great debate 
in all of sports in terms of analytics and metrics versus gut. Yep. And you only have to go back to my former team, Moneyball, and sort of the way that Grady Fusen and Art Howard basically portrayed in the movie vis-a-vis Billy. Mm-hmm. Um, that debate isn't going away. You look at all of the information that is gained, let's say, during a football combine, and a player is picked in the second round. Two years later, the player's out of football, and five undrafted free agents are going to the Pro Bowl. You know, I got your I got mm-hmm. your metrics and analytics right here. Yeah. We're talking with Andy Dolich. Andy is a longtime sports executive, and um, he has been – profoundly right on the money on the uh, Oakland A's incredible situation at trying to find a new stadium uh, site and get the thing off the ground. I want to read just a couple headlines. I went in this morning and researched November 28th, 2018. A's unveil plan for new ballpark at Howard Terminal. Uh, March 17th, 2019. Oakland A's released new renderings of their proposed stadium. Back a month prior to that, 2-15, February 15th, Howard Terminal's industrial past poses challenges for Oakland A's planned stadium. Then 10-4-19, a headline, an article written by your friend Billy Frijoles out there. Uh, I guess it's SB Nation. Does Oakland government want to lose the A's? Uh, the A's have already reached a tentative deal to purchase 50% stake in the land at Alameda Coliseum site, but now there's a lawsuit by the city of Oakland, not by the mayor. Now, this is the city council of Oakland uh, suing the Oakland Alameda County uh, for not offering them the land, which they were somehow obligated to give them a 90-day window, but this thing's been discussed for eight, nine months. Uh, What gives here, Andy? Stan, I I only wish that uh, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello were alive today to basically take what has gone on (laughs) and redo this into their ultimately famous who's on first. Yep. Because you literally have a difficult time following what has occurred. I'll just give you some of the highlight points. So John Fisher, who is the majority owner of the A's, has had the team for 13 years. Has he ever been uh, seen? Fisher, has he been seen in never public? Once. Has he been seen in public? Well, he's been seen in public. Okay. He goes to the games. Okay. He, he doesn't do the Howard Hughes, but never once. Right as he's spoken to the media, which I find mind-boggling, about why he owns the team and what his decisions are. The spokespeople for the A's over time have said that their new ballpark, the A's new ballpark, will be 100% privately financed. 100% privately financed. There's only one person that hasn't said that, and that's the person who has 100% of the money and it's his private money, and that's John Fisher. So that's a bit of a backdrop. Can I interrupt uh, for one second and ask yeah, one sure. question? When when that's been stated, 100% privately funded, that's excluding the remediation of the toxic uh, chemicals and the infrastructure, correct? Not necessarily. Okay. In every 
in every question okay. when it comes and the, and the ballpark, the proposed ballpark at Howard Terminal, of which the A's have said, we are breaking ground mm-hmm. in 2021 and we are playing baseball in 2023. Clock is ticking. Um, the Howard Terminal project is not just a new ballpark. It is uh, apartments, it is condominiums, it is retail, it is uh, parks and public spaces. Um, That, in and of itself, has added hundreds of millions of dollars to the project. And in the complexity of this, the A's have said, well, even though it's 100% privately financed, we would like to buy 50% of the current site, the Oakland Coliseum, mm-hmm. um, which will be vacated by the Raiders at the end of this season. The Warriors have already left for their new Chase Center Arena in San Francisco, leaving the A's as the last team standing. Uh, it's 150 acres. And what you talked about before, a breakaway group of the city council, the Oakland City Council, has said, not so quick, A's. Uh, You've offered $85 million. We, the city council of Oakland, uh, we have the first right to purchase. Uh, There's only one problem there, Stan. They don't have the money. Right. Um, So this breakaway group um, has threatened a lawsuit, and Commissioner Rob Manfred, who is out here, for the playoff game, which sadly the A's lost in front of a record crowd of 55,000. Wow. Wow. Um, Rob Manfred, just a few days after that, said, oh, yeah, you're going to lay this lawsuit on the A's and your own city council? Um, I think maybe this team should move. And uh, he sort of backtracked a bit from what I've read, but they brought up Las Vegas. Well, Las Vegas is not a better market than Oakland for baseball. Correct. Portland is not a better market for baseball than Oakland. And I was lucky enough with a lot of other really terrific people and most importantly, great players um, to average two and a half million fans a game uh, a season mm-hmm. uh, for many seasons where the A's are now in the bottom 5% of teams in Major League Baseball attendance. So the fans are really confused. What's going on here? Howard Terminal is, of all the six locations that the A's have looked at in this 13-year period, without doubt is the most complex for all the reasons Mm -hmm. that you talked about. And they could already be building or start to be building at the Coliseum where they could control 150 50 acres of land with incredible transportation Mm -hmm. and a history behind it. Why that isn't happening has everybody confused. At at a certain level, you've got to understand what it is. Are they looking for the next magical ballpark? In other words, do they think that being stuck at the current site is unexciting to fans or unexciting to ownership? Yes. Yeah. And that, you know, that is to a certain extent factual, but it wasn't factual enough to keep 54,000 people away. Right. From coming um, to the game. You know, a week and a half ago or keep uh, the A's teams 
that I was involved with from drawing 2.4, 2.6, 2.9 million a season. When you say that your restaurant is no good, mm-hmm. usually people don't show up. Right. When you say right. your ballpark is no good, um, which to a certain extent the A's have said, and the other part of this, which just blows my mind, is the A's have arguably one of the better young teams in baseball. No question um, about it. Yeah. Uh, Chapman, Olsen, um, MVP caliber caliber player in Marcus Simeon, who went to high school here yep. and went to college at Cal. And you wouldn't know that Marcus Simeon played on the A's. Chris Davis had a down year, but he's a banger. He's He lives in the tradition of great home run hitters. They have one of the most underrated managers in all the game in Bob Melvin, who's, in my view, he's like the Steve Kerr of the A's. Mm-hmm. He's beloved. They have uh, young outfielders who have laser arms. They have a quality pitching staff. But hardly ever do they talk about that because of the money ball aspect of, well, you don't want to pay too much money because these guys are gone. And you only have to look at trading a guy who became an MVP in Donaldson the year after TAs got rid of him, and they had him under contract yeah. for two years. That's just nuts. So we've got about three or four minutes today. Um, I have a feeling I'll be talking to you about this again in six, seven weeks or something like that. I found it so fascinating that the commissioner threw out Las Vegas, but his credibility to me instantly evaporated like it was in the heat of the uh, uh, the desert out there. Uh, where would they? Where would this supposed move to Las Vegas? Where would the A's play? There's a ten or twelve thousand seat minor league stadium. I guarantee the Oakland Raiders don't want to share a stadium with the <laughs> Oakland A's. So this is five to seven years away before they could. Again, I do believe it was a bit of a tit-for-tat based upon this threatened lawsuit. And the commissioner's job, as I've understood it through sports and believe it is correct, is to, you know, he he is an employee of the owners. Correct. His job in all the sports is to increase the net asset value of each of those teams. Mm -hmm. And any commissioner that doesn't do that usually loses his job. Rob has done an incredible job, Commissioner Manfred. Baseball teams are worth stratospheric values. Even the A's, uh, who don't show up on many people's radar screens, are worth well over a billion dollars. Right. And if you move that team someplace else, it would have to be a market that would uh, increase that value. I don't think it is Las Vegas, right. and I don't believe it's in Portland. Portland's only missing a stadium, <laughs> a location, uh, the money, and a team. That's all that Portland's missing, along with Vegas. In the Vegas situation, I do think there is a subliminal reason And if you look at the future of sport, more realistically, Mm -hmm. the gaming revenue that is going to come to sports is yet to be figured out. Right. Now, we know that baseball is not a top betting sport, but it will be generating hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars in the future. Probably no better prop bet sport than baseball. And 
Um, the Raiders, in my view, a large part of the reason they are in Las Vegas is the NFL under the power of Jerry Jones, Robert Kraft, and other owners said, let's put uh, a beta test in Vegas and see how this works yep. out for us. Yep. No better beta test than the Raiders because they won't stand in our way. They need to go. Yep. And so maybe baseball and, you know, Adam Silver has talked about Las Vegas um, and look at the most successful professional team in Vegas right now. What is it? National Hockey League. Go yep. figure that one. Yeah. So, so I think everybody is looking at Vegas as a way to really try to understand how legalized betting is going to work for their sport. I, I agree with you in, entirely on on Vegas. Got two last quick questions. Well, neither one's quick, but uh, got to be off in a couple minutes. What's the next step in Oakland? Do you think some common sense will come to this? I, I was told or I read, I thought the lawsuit had been filed. It's only been threatened so far. They're negotiating, pulling it back, and calming down Right. what needs to happen. And I can't say that this will happen, is that the Oakland A's, specifically John Fisher, right. the county of Alameda, which owns 50% of the current site, um, the city, uh, with its breakaway group, um, and Major League Baseball need to sit down in a quiet location and talk this through. If the San Francisco 49ers could build a brand new stadium, if the Golden State Warriors could build a spectacular new arena, mm -hmm. if the Sacramento Kings could be playing in a wonderful new place, and the Oakland Raiders could be moving into a new dome in Vegas, why can't the A's do it? It's because there's no leadership, and it literally is the Tower of Babel. And as I said, it's a who's on first, but and lose situation here. It's time for them to get serious, sit down, figure it out. And in my view, um, it should be at the Coliseum. If it's at Howard Terminal, then have John Fisher stand up in front of the public right. in Northern California and say, well, if the cost is blank, blank, billion. I'm in for every dollar. Right. Any questions? Yep. Then let's yep. get moving. All right. Last question I have is totally off the world of baseball. I understand the complications of what transpired, the bomb that was dropped within the NBA this past week. I know you well enough to know you've got some thoughts on that. I was particularly distressed with African-American players such as James Harden apologizing to China for what the general manager had tweeted out. Your thoughts? We have moved into an age that anybody who believes that politics and sports should be separated by a moat mm. is living in another age. Right. Um, this was a geopolitical bombshell um, that is worth billions of dollars, and it's just the beginning. Mm -hmm. I mean, who would have thought that the seven-foot-six-inch center of the Houston Rockets, ironically, right. who is beloved around the world, is now the head of the Chinese Basketball Association telling the NBA, sorry, yep. you're, you're no longer uh, loved here. Yep. Um, Linsanity, seven years ago, embraced the world. Um, 
Jeremy Lin is from Palo Alto, two miles <laughs> from where we're talking, and he's playing in China. Joseph Tsai, the co-founder of the Chinese mega digital company Alibaba, right. owns the Brooklyn Nets. Um, when Daryl Morey hits send, there's no way that he had an idea that this tidal wave of geopolitical yep. financial ruin would take place. And commissioners, players, owners, the media now understand that there's no place to hide. There are no secrets. And instantaneously, everybody in the world knows that the seed for China was planted by David Stern 40 or 50 years ago. It's grown into a multi-billion dollar business. And now those roots are in jeopardy. Fascinating. All right. Andy, uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Wish you a happy, healthy new year ahead, my friend. Uh, hey, go Nats. All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dan. All right. Andy Dolich. There you have him. Very bright guy. Very bright guy. All right. We uh, ran a few minutes over, so let me get let me get cracking and tell you about the Costas Inn. Uh, I know a little something about special. When it comes to dining out casually and affordably, I know a place that's special every season of the year. That's the Costas Inn at 4100 North Point Boulevard. Not only are they known f- all over for the great steamed crabs and crab cakes, they have a couple specials you'll want to keep in mind. Monday night is crab cake night. Tuesday night is ribs night. Wednesday night is steak night. Partnered with half-priced bottles of wine and your favorite Thursday night is lobster night. So check out the Costas Inn this football season, and you may come back whatever the season. The address, 4100 North Point Boulevard, phone number 410-477-1975. That is the Costas Inn. And the latest edition of Press Box is out now and uh, on the cover well, it's not out now. It's coming out, excuse me, on Tuesday. On the cover are Daryl Morsell and Jalen Smith of the Maryland Terrapins. They're trying to full Mar- fuel Maryland basketball's return to prominence in the area. So check it out. It'll be out at nearly 500 locations this Tuesday, including 60 Royal Farm stores. That's the new Press Box print edition out the 15th of the month. We'll take our final time out and be back to close things out. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back as we'll be with you to react immediately during and after every Baltimore football game this season. Glenn Clark is with you at halftime with various guests joining him the moment the game wraps up, including the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard, Pressbox's Ken Zalis, and Eric Arditi from Barstool Sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day is made possible by great partners. Costa Sin, Wise Markets, Glen Burnie Transmissions, Glory Days Grill, and the U.S. Army. Like Pressbox on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sports And watch Project Game Day there every game day this season. I like world-famous chicken. You like world-famous chicken. We all like Royal Farms' world-famous chicken. Why? Because Royal Farms' world-famous chicken.